0: Welcome to the Leading Men Podcast. I'm your host, James Haley. This podcast is dedicated to helping Christian men become better leaders at home and in the church. This week, we will discuss the social awakening happening with the African-American community with our returning guest, Terrell Munger. We'll talk about how things have escalated and what we should do about it, and that we include more than just African-Americans. Terrell makes some excellent points that will hopefully inspire some productive conversations and positive actions. Leading men is a listener supported podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help us in a number of ways. First, you can subscribe for free on iTunes and give us a five-star review. Your reviews increase our visibility and help us reach more men. Second, you can share this podcast with your friends, family and men's group. Finally, you can provide a donation on our website at com slash donate. All right, now we're going to talk to a returning guest and one of our favorite guests, Mr. Terrell Manga Terrell, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I like favorite guests. I'm, I'm going to get a T-shirt that say that, favorite guests. Yeah. <laughs> Just give us our royalty checks. That's all we're asking. Terrell, tell us a little bit about yourself. I don't think you told us anything about yourself in the last podcast.
1: Um, if I, man, if I could just describe myself, man, I'm just a social change agent. Um, I just like provide new information so people can have a different respect- perspective on whatever situation that they're in because they're all, there's always a way to overcome or to enhance the situation that we're in. But in my opinion, it's just hard to make good decisions with bad information. And I just try with everything I do, give some good information so people can make some better decisions so they can find their best self and live their best life. And that's whatever I'm doing. If it's books, if it's plays, if it's whatever it is, I'm trying to put some new, fresh information out, of that, out there to give people a fresh perspective on life.
0: Sounds good. Terrell, today we're going to talk about a kind of difficult topic, and people forgive us if we go all over the place, but it's a difficult topic. It needs to be happening, and we're going to talk about it. I think we had lunch a few weeks ago, and we kind of described it as a social awakening. And right. One of the things that brought us here is just recently we've had, for a while, it seemed like every week there was a story about a black man being killed while dealing with the police. And honestly, I just want to know, from your perspective, how did we get here? You know, this is 2016. We Many of us thought, you know, we eat a We have a black president and we have black CEOs. It's like, it's that kind of stuff is over now, but now it seems like it's happening more and more. So right. how did we get here? Well,
1: um... To be honest, um, we were always here. Um, we noticed back when we first saw what happened with Rodney King, with the beating from uh, L.A. and everything, and somebody happened to catch it on video camera. And we noticed that every officer got off. You know, uh, so it's always been happening. It's just more prevalent and it's more visible now because everybody has cell phones. We have Facebook. We have instant uh, internet and instant ways of transferring information. So it, it is not just happening. It is always happening. Um, I, I even have to say myself, I haven't been pulled over and mistreated by police since I was in high school, but it has happened. And, and you know, and it's still happening with a lot of people. And I still have to have the conversation with my son. So uh, there's a lot of dynamics to the fact that it has never stopped. It's more prevalent, um, but the way we get out of it is is where people differ in their opinions. How do we get out of it is, is the bigger topic of conversation.
0: I wanna ask your thoughts on that, but some commentary I've been hearing is some people say the murders are due to improper training. Some say that the cops are just plain racist. Others, another interesting thought is they're just simply afraid of us. Why would the police be afraid of us?
1: Well, first, I believe the police are afraid of us is number one or number two. It's number one or number two. Um, The reason they're afraid of us is how media depicts us and even how we depict ourselves. The things we take pride in are some of the reasons that really make people view us in a certain way. I mean, come on now. We, we love the fact of soon as somebody don't get our order right at the restaurant, you don't know who I am. You don't know who you talking to. I mean, how can you not be seen as a person that I should be afraid of if you keep acting like a person that I should be afraid of? But on the opposite extreme, um, we understand each other. They don't understand us. And so uh, people have a tendency to f- immediately feel what they don't understand. Why are people afraid of the dark? This is your house. You pay for it. You bought all the furniture. You paid the light bill. You pay the phone bill. But when the lights go out, you still have people get scared. Why do they get scared? Because they don't know what's in the dark. And I believe uh, a lot of training for police officers will definitely help us. But in certain ways, we really have to help ourselves. What do we want to be known as? Do we want to be known as intelligent people? Do we want to be known as business savvy people? Or do we want to be known as people that people should be afraid of? When I say, man, you don't know me. I'm from South Memphis. I'm not saying I'm smart. I'm not saying I'm a nice guy. I'm not saying I'm a worthy employee. If I say I'm from South Memphis, that means I'm going to whoop your butt. That's what it means. And that's what we hang our hat on. So at the same time, if we hang our hat on that, we can't change it when we get ready to change it. We have to work together to change our narrative to one that helps us excel and not one that just make us seem like somebody that we going to pop the trunk on somebody at any given moment. Now, we can say that among ourselves. If we talking with black people, we want you to think I'm somebody that'll pop the trunk in a minute. We want you to... See us as somebody that get wrong with me, I'm going to bust your head. We won't. But when the police pull up, we can't, after we work so hard to portray that image, in the moment, we cannot expect that image to change.
0: I want to go back to something you said earlier about media images. Mm -hmm. Are you simply talking about the news portraying us in a bad way or Fox News? Are you talking about something bigger than just TV news?
1: Yeah, I'm talking bigger than TV news. I mean, come on now. Our own music, you you got cats that's not even tough in the studio being studio gangsters, talking about you know, uh, I carry four fives like change for a hundred. You know you you know all, all of our music. We want to talk about the well not all of. I take that back. A lot of our music, we talk about the pistols we carry. We talk about what we'll do to you. Um, so um, now part of it, albeit the people who don't talk about that will not get signed as quickly because when we had the PEs of the world, when we had the KIS, when we had the MC light, you know, the salt and pepper when it was just all about having fun, we were empowering each other. But uh, we forget the fact that there was a private meeting from those starting private prisons and they had planned that they was going to use hip hop as a means to develop a product for those prisons. And so with, with one becoming a millionaire off of saying gangster gangster and dope man and all of this, one person becomes a millionaire while 1,000 of them are primed to go to prison. You know what I mean? So, so they let one black person get rich at the risk of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 going to jail. So um, if money becomes our only motive, yeah, you can have a couple of people who can make some of these gangster raps or some of these negative songs or negative movies, you know, all of that, and make their little money, but influence is powerful. And people say, oh, it's just entertainment. If we thought it was just entertainment, people wouldn't spend so much money to get a commercial on the radio or a commercial on TV. You could be sitting at home, minding your own business, and somebody sitting up eating that hamburger with the juice running down there, um, looking all good. You would be like, I don't know why. I'm sure we home." hungry right now I don't know why because you just saw the image and the time you saw the image was probably the seventh time it popped up three or four or five six other times that you didn't notice it and on the seventh time it made you act same with our music it may not affect us the first second third time but in the moment it changes how we think it changes how we respond and it changes the outcomes of our lives you it the same thing in any of our TV shows that we watch Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about power, you talk about empire, you talk all of this stuff, man. I'm telling you, if you've ever lived hood life When you saw uh, Lucius on Empire, it did something to you. It took you back to the Nino Brown days. It took you back to the Frank Lucas days. Even if you don't feel like that, it made you feel some kind of way. And if you're not careful, what you feed the most grows the most. If you feed your intellect the most, your intellect will shine. If you feed your ego the most, your ego is going to shine. And a lot of us cause the biggest problems that we face in life. is because we've been feeding our ego and not our intellect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We hang our badge of honor on the fact of I'm big and bad and rough and tough but we don't hang our hat on you know what? My uh subject and my verbs—they agree. Yes, that's that's. I'm proud of myself. That that's not what we're proud of. We're proud of the bravado, the male bravado that says I'm dominant. Now you have this male bravado of one black man and another black man, or the male bravado of this black man and this police officer, and when those bravados collide, somebody's going down.
0: You mentioned earlier, what do we do about this at this point? What can we do?
1: Okay, Uh my thought of what we should do is huh, there, there, there's a thought in our community that if you sit up under someone, it makes you weak. That's why a lot of people have issues with the church. That's why a lot of people have issues with teachers. That's the, what we have to do is we have to find people in our community that can talk in different rooms, talk in different environments, that can move uh, and that, that are living and operating in integrity. And instead of calling them and telling them they pawns for the white man, a sellout, let's pull from their information and see how we can collectively find a way to get more funds in our communities, get more jobs in our community, get more resources, more information in our community. Now, at the same time, if I spend too much time in the corporate world, I lose touch with my inner city community. So I have to communicate with them because they keep my to the streets. I keep their ear to the corporate world. And we find some type of balance where we can create something. We don't necessarily have to leave our neighborhoods all the time. A lot of times you do. You get tired of your car getting broken into. You get tired of your house getting broken into. It happened to me and you want to move out. But one of the things is uh, there is a way to channel better information in our community. But if you tell people some of the music you're listening to or some of the entertainment you're taking in is, is making you more violent and sending you backwards, they get upset. We've got to listen to the elders in our community that care for our community and that can give some type of guidance and instruction in our community. If if, if if I am smart and capable and able to create a better life for myself, Why would I teach at a high school of rebellious kids that don't want to listen? Why would I make my life harder for people who don't want to make their life better? You understand what I'm saying? But if you value my information, I'll take a pay cut to come teach you the information that I have to help develop you. You understand what I'm saying? Um, But unfortunately, you know, um, a lot of people have bought into the lie that take care of yourself. We have to take care of our community. It's it's important that we take care of our community and we gotta get that thought process back, which remind me of this play that I'm about to do called Hood Rich, where when it was all good in the hood, we had love, we had love, we had community. And that's the reason I write the plays that I do because I'm trying to remind people of our greater self because we cannot expect those same people that are benefiting from our problems and issues to fix our problems and issues. There are people benefiting to the fact that we don't understand money. There are people benefiting from the fact that, you know, we are by all the joys. There are people benefiting from the fact that we keep going to jail. These people are benefiting from our poverty and our failure. They can't fix it. We're going to have to fix it. And in order for us to fix it, we got to trust each other beyond, you know, the point of getting mad because I'm doing a little better than you. So what if I'm doing a little better than you? Learn how I did it and you could probably do better than me and everybody I know. But we got to start learning from each other how to fix each other. And we can get without getting anybody help outside the community. We could fix the community if we chose to submit to and trust each other.
0: Yeah. What does that really look like? Because I'm sure like you, like me, you looked on Facebook when some of these murders happen. Someone to say, you know, well, we have to let's pray for our community and pray for the cops. And then next point there's somebody saying, yeah, while we praying, they praying, yeah. you know, and then we go on, start to go on, back and forth at each other in various ways. How do we get on the same page in well, that kind of climate?
1: Well, um, the type of people that I'm connected to, I can honestly and proudly say the people that I communicate with, the people that I pour into, their lives are better now. Their families are better. Um, Their, you know, job situations are better. They're advancing their career. They're, they're, you know, more educated about the things that they want to do in life. And I'm just just talking about a degree. I'm talking about more educated about the things that they want to do in life. But I'm just one person. And I have a reach of, of about 350 people. I can help those people. Well, we have to have more people that understand outside of the community to pour back that information. I, I'm not gonna say church is the only answer, but if the church really got it right and stopped shouting and falling out and speaking in tongues all the time, if we really got it right, we could play a big part of fixing our community. Because I mean, Most of the things that we decide to do, and we actually made progress in it, when we first thought about it, we weren't sure if it could be done. We weren't sure if we should accept it ourselves. So... What makes us think when we speak something to people, they're supposed to immediately accept it. We got to give them the grace to reject it, to continue to model it before them and reinforce what we taught them in hopes that they could change. But people who have been called to minister or lead or whatever you want to call it, we have to be dedicated to the lives of those that are willing to follow. If all we want to do is raise an offering, if all we want to do is get somebody to shout and jump up, we're not going to go far. We're not going to go far, but what it looks like to me is we have to take ownership of the things that we do to contribute to the problem and stop depending on somebody else outside of the community to fix it. Like like Nino Brown said, we are, we got. It starts there to understand that we have to get ourselves out of it. We can't go to jail and blame the white man for sending us to jail. We got to understand, okay, I know the system is designed to make me think like this and act like this, but I got to be smarter than that if I'm going to get out of this.
0: I know we're jumping around a little bit, but I read an article that's somewhat related to what we're talking about from the EUR, Electronic Urban Report. Mm -hmm. In an op-ed about race relations that he wrote for Billboard, Christian hip-hop artist Lecrae explained his reasoning behind a viral tweet in which he said that, the freedom America celebrates on July 4th doesn't apply to everyone. I posted a picture of slaves in the cotton field instead of, instead because that was the vantage point of my ancestors on July 4th, 1776. They weren't free. The rapper, whose fan base reportedly includes many white evangelical Christians, wrote in the Billboard piece that many of his supporters find his straightforwardness divisive. But he said... There's a difference between creating division and exposing the division that's being ignored. And a lot of times, when you don't have to deal with some of the circumstances that affect minority culture, you just don't think they exist. This is a conversation I have with a lot of white friends all the time, he wrote. When I share my experiences with them, they're like, oh, really? What do you think about that article? Is he being divisive when he says things like that?
1: No, I think he's being absolutely accurate. He's been absolutely accurate, and see the issue with this because I see this with, with a lot of uh, well-meaning white people. They want to think since I don't have a problem with black people, you shouldn't be upset with me. That's the point. We're not upset with you. They take it personal as if me posting a picture of the slaves in 1776 is a direct reflection of you. The truth is, it's a a direct reflection of what you come from and what set you up for success. And it's hard for them to believe that, oh, uh, Colin Powell is doing well. Condoleezza Rice is doing well. And I ended up telling one of my white friends when they took that approach to meet with me, that's just like saying, since Bill Gates is a billionaire, you should be one too. He's white. It's more dynamics to him being where he is. Just because I'm doing well does not mean all black people are doing well. You understand? It, it, because I've had some different experiences in my life. I've I made it through some different cracks. I got away with some things that I shouldn't have gotten away with. I made it through. But it doesn't change the fact of I slipped through the system. The system did not help me. And the hardest thing for them to face is if, if they admit that there's an issue, They have a moral obligation to do something about the issue. And I run into this with white evangelicals more than anything. They want to think, oh, God loves us all and all lives matter and and we shouldn't be divided. If that is true, why don't you help fight for my freedom? Why don't you help? them stop giving all these uh, high interest student loans to black people that even when they get a job, they paying for it the rest of their life. Why don't you tell us about the uh, hidden scholarships that your kids know about and mine don't know about? Why don't you uh, when your child get in trouble in the 10th grade and you send him to counseling? My child get in trouble in the 10th grade, you send him to juvenile court. If, if, If you believe all lives matter, make sure my son get the same privileges as your son. And if he doesn't, you're willing to fight for my son as much as you want me to fight
0: for you. Let's start talking about um, solutions. We talked about some of this earlier, but Mm -hmm. let's start start with uh, our media images. What men listening right now, what can we start doing now about dealing with the media images we're taking in?
1: Well, one of the things, and and I mean this with all sincerity, we cannot let anger consume us. Um, If any men out there have ever played sports, you want to play with an edge, but you don't want to play angry. Angry will make you miss your assignments. Anger will make you be more concerned about hurting a person than beating a team. And you and, and, and we got to stay in control because a lot of our people, we get so angry that we sabotage ourselves and fall into the system. The hate that is out in the world wants to get inside of you. It's uh, if I was using a uh, uh, scripture I was say the Bible says, be angry but seeing not. In other words, it's okay for you to get upset, but don't let it make you separate yourself from the principles and purpose which you believe in for yourself. Because somebody who I don't know I, I, I'm this is gonna sound crazy because somebody that I don't know, got shot in Baltimore, I can't come to work Monday morning and be mad at all my coworkers. I can't do that. I can't do that. I have to admit that it is an injustice. It is a reminder of the system that we live in. I have to find ways to contribute with people that are doing something about it. I have to vote. I have to research what laws are on the book. I have to research what policies are in place. I have to find how I can be a part of changing those policies, changing those laws, and bringing about social change and social education. But I can't sabotage my own kids by getting fired at work and say the white man did it. I can't do that. I got to think bigger than that. You know what I mean? Because if I go bust a white person's head, oh, man, I showed him. No, you didn't. Because now the white system that don't like you anyway is going to lock you up. You're going to lose your job. Your son is going to grow up without his father. And you created a bigger problem because you let your anger get the best of you. How each man that is listening to this, I would encourage you, think, think. Think like you're playing basketball. Think like you're playing football. What is your strategy? What is your end game? And how can you add to that and build on that every day? What small things can you do until you get to a point where you have the amount of influence that's needed to do something that affects your family, your community, your city, your state, and then maybe you can uh, have an impact on the world? I
0: want to go back to media images again. You named a few shows, but there are many, many more. Right, right. When I'm watching shows, what kind of lens should I watch shows through that I can say, you know, this is something I need to stop watching. This is something my son or daughter needs to stop watching.
1: Okay. Well, first I would say, let's look at the state of my own mental health. Am I making good decisions? If I am at a low-paying job and I'm barely making it and my family is feeling the effects, I'm not in my best healthy state, Okay. Same way if I was to go into the doctor's office and they said, Mr. Munger, you've got diabetes. Your health is not the best. What do you want me to do, doctor? I need you to watch your intake at this moment. You can't eat this. You can't eat that. You have to exercise more. I would say to every man that is doing that, if you are already in an angry state, you are already in an impoverished state, you are already not making the money you want, You can't watch everything. I don't care how entertaining it may be, you can't watch it because it's not helping your state. You have to take in some education. You have to take in some more knowledge. You have to learn how to talk in different rooms and be comfortable talking around different people. You got too much healthy information you need to take in than to waste your time taking in garbage TV. Is it going to kill you? No, but at the same time, it's not going to help you get back healthy. Each person has to look at that. Like me, I can get away with eating a peach cobbler with all the syrup on it. You know, oh, Jesus. I can get away. But my mother, it'll send her into a diabetic coma because she's at a different place in life. She's at a different health state. Just because somebody else who already making a million dollars and living good, they can get away with watching Empire because they have no problems, no issues. But if you already have problems and issues, I'm not saying you can't watch Empire, but how is it helping you? You need all the help you can to get out of the situation you're in. You need to be watching some, some, some documentaries on how to manage your money better. You, you need to be studying on social environments that bring forth fruit of, uh, of the labor or investing or whatever it, uh, it may be. You need to be intentionally doing things that enhance and advance your life than watching garbage TV that's not doing nothing for you or your family.
0: All right. Earlier, We also talked about the church and let's getting past the hooping and the hollering and all that. Right. What are some practical things that men can take back to the church and say, let's let us as a church start doing this? OK.
1: Now, what I will say is if if you have I mean, let's start with the basics. If you have a men's group. And they're not talking about real issues and trying to get real answers. If there are men who don't have a job in your church and they come to the men's group and all you talk about is uh, is some nails missing out of the baptismal pool, that's not a healthy ministry. You ought to have the resources. You ought to be like, hey, man, we going to help you get a job. I know this company. I know this person. We ought to be helping each other. Before I start stuffing the Bible down your throat, I ought to give you some practical principles to live. Hey, man, how's your family? Are you spending time with little Johnny? You know, it ought to be some principles, some practical things where men can know I know if I get to my men's group, I can ask this question and I'm going to get some answers that's going to help me. And that goes to every area of you can't just have church because it's Sunday. What answer is, is, is my pastor or my preacher or my speaker, what answer are they giving me on Sunday morning? Am, am I going just to be like, oh, that was nice. What are we eating at? If I'm not getting answers, if, if I'm not challenging my mind, if I'm not leaving with strategies and thoughts, it's just like watching Empire. It's doing nothing for me. Your church environment should answer some of the questions to the daily ills you have in life albeit principles, If, if we just talking about Jesus, Jesus came and he went down and in three days he got up. Now what? How does that apply to my life? There are some principles Jesus taught. Maybe you need to tell me to take up my bed and walk, that I'm hanging around a bunch of sick people depending on a system that ain't healing none of us. And if I can just get what I'm resting in away from that, I might think differently. If I can get some practical principles out of my Sunday worship or my Wednesday Bible study or whatever interaction, I'm on the right path. But if we're just having church because it's the time
0: and it's the day,
1: brother, you might as well go to the casino
0: one day we're going to do a podcast just on your men's group because I know your, <laughs> your men's group is awesome. <laughs> Thank uh, everybody you. Everybody will get something out of that. So Thank we're going to do that one soon. Thank okay. you. Okay. One other thing is we talked about what we can do as a black community, what the church do. Mm. There's some non-African Americans listening. What right. what should their role be? What should they be doing?
1: The best thing if you are non-African American or if you're African American, the best thing you can do is be honest. If you're in the store, and you wrote a check, and they didn't ask you for your ID, and the person behind you is black, and they wrote a check, and they did ask them for their ID, you gotta be able to step up and say, you know what, you didn't ask me for that, that's not right. If you gotta be honest about what the situation, if you got a job that you know you're not qualified for, while the person that you know is way more qualified than you, you gotta ask them questions, I, I just have a question, why was I able to and they weren't? If 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 the best thing a person can do, or if if you see a police shoot an unarmed black man, and somebody asks you about it, say it, man, that's wrong. Instead of saying, well, you you, you gotta see the whole video. You really don't know what what happened. What did he eat last night? Yeah, that's not. The best thing anybody can do to help, especially if they're not African-American, is be honest. If it's wrong, say it's wrong. Even if you're not going to fight or do anything, at least say it's wrong. And one of the things I see, you know, police officers trying to have picnics in the park and peace rallies and all of that type stuff. That's like an abuser bringing flowers home to his wife. That's nothing. The best thing you can do is say, guys, you know what? I'm not a bad officer, but there's some bad officers out there, and we got to fix this problem. And I'm going to dedicate myself to making sure no officer around me is going to act like that. That's how you fix the problem. You can't sit up and talk about, oh, you don't understand what we have to go through. We're so stressed, and we have post-traumatic stress. That has nothing to do. If there are bad officers, admit it. Just say it. Even if you ain't snitching on all of them, at least admit, man, some of these people are not handling stuff right, and we got to fix this. If you're honest about the situation, that alone starts the healing process. Telling people, you're right right. I see the pink elephant too. You're not crazy. That'll make me calm down and say, "Good man, somebody else see that pink elephant." I thought I was crazy, and you and that helps the person start healing because people are being honest about the injustice or the afflictions in that person's life.
0: Okay. One other thing I want to talk about are the fathers. You know, for us growing up, you know, we were told that there are certain ways we have to conduct ourselves. For instance, when you go to the grocery store, or the corner store. My mom would always say, make sure you get the bag when you walk out of there. Mm-hmm. And we know why. Right. And there are certain ways to handle the police when we're pulled over. Has that, that, that talk that we had with our parents, has that changed in 2016?
1: Well, I, here, here's, here's the deal. And I had, I had this talk with my son. I want you to respect people. And that includes police officers. That includes teachers that includes your mother, that includes your friend. I want you to respect people. Because I want you to respect people, I'm not going to teach you to disrespect people who have been disrespecting others because that steps outside of what I teach you. I want you to be a respectable person. I don't believe respectability politics is the same as just being respectful. If you respect every human being that gives you every right to fight for the rights that you deserve. You know what I mean? But I I can't, it's just like um, me, because I know there's a bully at school, I go pick on the bully so his bully ways and come out of people see who he is. No, that makes me a bully too. It makes both of us bullies. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm not going to sit up and let the bully pick on me either. So what I'm saying is if you just be respectful, to human beings, it'll get you further in life. And, you know, but uh, in the conversation about the role of men, carrying your bags, opening the door, I still teach my son. I still believe that. I, I understand women's rights, and women should have their rights, but don't take away my rights to be proud that I can open a door, to be proud that I can provide for my family, to be proud that I am contributing to the life of someone else. You understand? And I, I, I would never purposely or intentionally disrespect a woman but at the same time i don't want her to take away my right and my pride of being a man i i with everything in me i believe that a home is more stable with a man in the house i just believe that it's not saying that uh men and women are not equal but at the same time they have different roles different it's just if, if we're equal i should be able to have a baby or if we're equal, when my wife have a baby, I should get six weeks off just like her. Certain things are not equal. Now, one thing that should be equal is that our respect for one another. I wouldn't dare uh, because I got a 40-pound box in the back of my car uh, because two of them out there, I come tell my wife, you get one, I get one. No, I'm getting them both. You you understand what I'm saying? Now, if she wants to, okay, go ahead and get it. I'm not going to stop you, but I'm not going to expect her to do something that I'm more physically capable of doing than her. You know what I mean? And there's some women that want to do it. If you want to be one of the women that carry the 40-pound box, get you a man that don't carry it. But don't take my right to be a man just so you know you can say you're getting your rights. You getting your rights don't mean taking mine. There is a man out there that wants to accept how you are. You know what I mean? But right now, I I don't believe that silver is dead. I want to open the door. I I I, I want to be the one buying a gift on Valentine's Day. I don't care if my wife gives me one or not. You understand know what I'm saying? I want to be the one when I go on a date. I want to pick up the tab. If you want to pick up the tab, hey, this may be the wrong relationship. I'm not gonna disrespect you, but I want to pick up the tab. I want to feel like I'm contributing to your life. That's how I feel.
0: Mm-hmm. Kind of back to this social awakening thing. Should men be kind of leading the effort in this 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 movement?
1: Well, nice. As far as the movement, I think the leading of it is equal, because I, I mean, I mean, it's really as you look at now, a lot of women are on the front. You know, a lot of men are tired. A lot of men are distracted. When it comes to leading the movement, I believe that is definitely equal. You know, um, there are women who can express themselves better than men. There are men who can express themselves better than women. As it pertains to the movement, I believe a woman can lead just as well as a man and a man can lead just as well as a woman. I just I just believe whoever the leader is should operate in fairness, um, sound judgment, and and just might, might, might sound crazy, but when it comes time to make a decision, any bodily functions or uh, chemical hormone imbalances is not a reason for you to make a bad decision. The same way is, is not a reason for a man to make a bad decision. A bad decision is a bad decision. Take ownership of it and let's move forward. And so as it pertains to leading the movement, I believe that we are equal.
0: Any parting thoughts or advice for the listeners? Um.
1: I would tell everybody, um, do do your research. Do your research. Um, I believe that the heart of why things were created will live through the thing that it created. Um, I believe we have to be honest about our intentions and not act like we're more concerned about one thing when our motives are another thing. Um, I believe that whatever you're a part of, do your research. Do your research. Do, don't be a part of it just because it sounds good. And, and, and let me say this. I don't know how much time we get, but let me say this. I am exhausted in this competition of who's the blackest, who's the most down for the cause and the most conscious. It's creating another division the same way white supremacy has. Now you gotta go through this initiation process just to prove that you're black when you black. We all care about different things. We're all more passionate about different things, but we going through this contest of seeing who the black is, who the most down. Well, when when I was little, I ain't even eat Oreo cookies. Come on, man, let's let's be real. Let's operate in the moment and the love that we have and the capabilities that we have and use people that are d- in different rooms, different environments and let's do what's best for the whole and stop creating little pockets of, of competition in every area and we all end up stuck in the same place because a house divided against itself will fall and the house that you complain about because they're unified, they're gonna win. Right, how can people find a little bit more about you? Um. Definitely social media, um, my Facebook page, Terrell Munger, my um, uh, Instagram, Terrell Munger. my Twitter is Terrell Munger. I have the inspirememphis.com uh, uh, website, um, I have the app, you can download it on iTunes or Google Play. Um, and just keep a lookout, man. Keep a lookout for that hood-rich play that's coming out at the Cannon Center February the 4th. We're going to do it again. It's a big production. We're going back to the old school. We're going to remember the days of the Freeze Cups and the Chico Sticks and, you know, riding your bikes in the park. And we're just going to have a good time and just put some of that love and unity and connection back in our community and laugh along the way.
0: We're looking forward to it. We definitely need the laughter. Thanks, Terrell. All right. This podcast was a blessing to you. Please let us know by emailing us at contact at leadingmennow.com. Please don't forget to pro- provide a five star review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Leading Men Now. And let's continue the conversation with the hashtag Leading Men Now. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.